Skip the hassles of traffic aboard Amtrak and go from city to city easier than ever. With no middle seats, plenty of legroom, and fewer carbon emissions than driving, you can kick back, relax, and feel good about your travel choice. Plus, you'll stay connected along the way thanks to free Wi-Fi on board. So, take the easier, more sustainable route. Book your next trip on Amtrak today. Book in advance and save at Amtrak.com. Restrictions may apply. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. After Saturday's game, I was in such a funk I wasn't even sure I wanted to do a show this week. I was so frustrated watching that game, but I wasn't shocked by the outcome and I'm not sure which bothers me more how we were beaten, or that I wasn't surprised it was a blowout. My guest today is as blunt as they come with his assessment of where Michigan football is and what it has to do if it wants to beat Ohio State in the future. Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic Detroit joins us in just a minute. First, a few of my thoughts to get us started. I'm an old-timer, and I remember for a good share of my life how competitive the Ohio State game was. I was around in 69 when we pulled the biggest upset in program history. The 10-year war followed with games so intense, I can remember them as if they were yesterday. Then there were the Cooper years, when we went 10-2-1 against them. Things changed during the Trestle era, and really changed when Urban Meyer was hired. A generation of our fan base probably doesn't even think we competed with Ohio State, and that really is sad. There are no easy answers as to how we can turn it around. Sure, we need to recruit better, but you know our recruiting classes the last five years have been pretty darn good. National columnist Stuart Mandel of The Athletic, I thought summarized the situation pretty well in his column Saturday night. He said eight years ago, Ohio State made an institutional decision to compete for national championships when they hired Urban Meyer. He said Michigan, as an institution, has shown no inclination to wade into those waters and recruit certain types of players. He didn't say it, but he insinuated, and he has before, Michigan will not lower the bar to that level academically to compete. Sadly, though, many of our fan base wish that we would just for football. Those are the fans I'm hearing from, but I'm sure the majority of you say, let's not do that. Whatever your take on the situation is, we're all frustrated, and there are no easy answers. My guest today has his doubts Michigan will ever compete with the elite in college football again. He asks the same question I do of Michigan fans that want Jim Harbaugh replaced. If not Jim, who would you suggest take his place? The reality of college football is that the playoffs have changed the landscape of college football 
over the last decade. A handful of schools are willing to do anything to be elite. Now, I'm not saying anything illegal or against NCAA rules, just that they are better at reimagining what a student-athlete means and how they can get them on their campus. Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic Detroit is up next here on The Michigan Man in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maize and Brew, so stay with us. Back with us on our game day segment to uh, look back at Saturday uh, is Nick Baumgartner from the Athletic Detroit. Once again, Nick, great to have you with us. Good to be with you, Mike. Well, what we've been hearing a lot about since Saturday, Nick, is um, the gaping talent uh, gap between Michigan and Ohio State. We didn't talk about a gap much during the season. I guess we had to wait until the two teams met on the field. Mm-hmm. How gaping now is it to you? In your opinion, yeah, I think it's interesting because it's it's certainly uh, I think it's wider than it's been, um, you know, at least because and I think for two reasons. I think it was it was really wide when when Harbaugh got the job in 2015, of course, uh, and that was proven on the field that day or, or at the end of the year that year. Um, and since that time, you know, Michigan's improved uh, and has had some nice recruiting classes, uh, and Ohio State has improved more and had better recruiting classes. And with that. You know, this thing has turned into something where you can just see it. I mean, you can see it in the lines. You know, you can see it in terms of speed, in terms of depth. And, you know, this is something that I do every year, typically, when these two teams play. I've been doing it for quite a while, really, probably since <clears throat> right around the time Urban Meyer started with Ohio State, is when the game starts and you have one side of the field with Ohio State players warming up and the other side of the field with Michigan players warming up, you can just look and see it because the Ohio State team – looks more like something that would play in the NFC East and Michigan looks like a big 10 team. And it's just a completely different situation in terms of, you know, size, strength, speed, everything across the board. And it's, it's wider today than it's ever been. And I think Michigan is starting to understand maybe if they hadn't already that, you know, it's funny two years ago, mm-hmm. two cycles ago, I should say, okay. Like after the 2017 season, they have an eight, five year and they had a, they did not have a great class in terms of, you know, it might end up being good with, with kids that, that produce or what have you, but they missed on, if you remember, they missed on like six or seven of their top targets in, in, in battles head up, and they and it was not a good cycle. I mean, they missed more than they hit in guys that they really wanted, and the class ended up being, you know, somewhere in the 20s. And there's some players in there that are going to be good football players for them, but it's not real deep and it's not real proven. Those types of classes are going to bury you when you play against Ohio State, because Ohio State that year just kept right on journey. And you can't have these years where you take a bunch of flyers on guys and hope they work out, and they're three-year development players just to get them to a level of being capable of playing in the Big Ten, and maybe they get there when Ohio State's having a class that produces a bunch of guys who are ready either immediately or within, you know, by the end of year two, you know, to be big-time level Big Ten players and possibly NFL players. And, you know, that's it. I mean, and that's the biggest the biggest thing. And it's really to a point, Mike, where I don't think that it's realistic to suggest Michigan has the ability to even that gap. I think that the only thing you can suggest is with the way things are operating today, if nothing changes, that Michigan should at least be able to put a dent in it. 
and give itself more of a chance. But I really don't know. If, I, I wonder if it's too wide, frankly, to all the way close. I think it's just something you're going to have to deal with now and figure it out. You know, figure out a way around it because it's you know you let, it got to this point and it's here and you can't ignore it. You know, it's just something you got to have to solve. Well, you know, Saturday night I was reading Andy Staples in the Athletic, and, and he wrote a good piece mm-hmm. after the game. And, and one of the things he said, and I'm paraphrasing now, is that Jim Harbaugh has shown no inclination to engage Ohio State recruiting the kinds of players Michigan needs to be elite. Now, if that's true, why do you think that Jim won't go after and engage head-to-head with Ohio State on some of those five-star kids? Well, I think that he, I think that he does in more instances than maybe Andy was giving him credit for. I think it's, I think it works two ways. Cause I, I mean, they compete against Ohio state for kids, not every time. Right. But in a lot of instances they do. And they did, they did a lot early. I should say that when he when, maybe I should say that more, more specifically when he first got here, I think they were, uh, and they had the cachet and the brand new everything and, and the ability to, you know, get the hat on the table with a lot of those kids. And they did. And some of them they got, you know, as we remember, Rashawn Gary was number one player in the country. They got him, you know, and, and some of those, Donovan Peoples-Jones was like number eight or nine player in the country. They got him. Ohio State wanted him. And so there's some of those guys they were able to get. But when you move through, you know, the second year and you don't finish that game and you lose by, you know, a foot, whether you disagree with the spot or you don't, uh, you lost the game, that is a whopper. I mean, that really, really stings. And suddenly, now you're 0-2, and your ability to win those battles becomes less and less. So you're faced with this question of, do we spend all of our time fighting for these guys that we're going to be climbing uphill for for 12 months and probably aren't going to get anyway? Or do we maybe target a select number of them, hope that we can get one, and spend the rest of our time on guys that we can realistically get. I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's the situation. It's it's that they they can't they can't. I mean, because you know, there's a lot of guys on Ohio State's roster. They Wyatt Davis, that offensive guard who just you know rolled through Michigan. They they recruited the heck out of him. As I remember correctly, at least they recruited him. I don't know if they recruited the heck out of him, but there's a lot of guys on that roster. You can look up and down that they recruited. They tried, and they didn't get them. And that's and that's what it ends up being. I mean, because you're losing on the field which turns into you're not going to beat them if they want a guy that you want. So, you know, very, very rarely, right? I think Daxton Hill would be an example where it's like, if you really have it in with the kid and you really think you have a chance, go for it. But otherwise you got to focus on other areas and hope that you can find gems like Devin Bush. Um, you know, people like that, that, you know, Devin was a 200 something ranked kid who, you know, if they re-ranked it today, Devin would have been a top seven player in that class or at least, at least, right. That's kind of been the, the area where they've tried to target things. Um, but, you know, the more Ohio State wins, the easier it is for them. The more they beat Michigan, the harder it is for Michigan. I mean, Ohio State's lost nine games in eight years. Nine games yeah, in eight years. Yeah. Michigan, post-World War II, has never had a stretch of football like the one Ohio State's having right now. So, so asking them to do this or to be even with Ohio State, it's just not it, it, evidence. We have no evidence to suggest that it's even possible because it's never happened. No. So it's very difficult because, you know, Bo Schimbeckler never had to deal with anything like this. I mean, Woody Hayes had, had a great program and one of the best in the country, but it was nineteen it was the 1970s, and, you know, the number of teams that were serious about college football was, like, not even close to what it is today. The competitive waters are hotter. Lloyd Carr never had to deal with anything like this. Ohio State was nowhere near as good at this level. They were good, but not like this. 
And so comparing eras doesn't really doesn't no. really do anything either. It's just the recruiting gets harder the more you lose to them. And, you know, even if you won once, it would still be tough, but it would at least you'd maybe have a shot. But um, that's why I said, I just think that Ohio State's on a different plane right now, and I think we can all see that. And Michigan's never been on that plane. Uh, and so, you know, all you can probably try to do at first is just dent it and, and make sure mm-hmm. that every guy you take – you are, I mean, you know, Urban Meyer was, you know, when he was coaching and if he ever coaches again, was the master of recruiting. I mean, he was the best in my, for my money, the best that there was, I thought. I thought better than Saban because he really, for whatever reason, understood that that's all it is. That's the whole thing in college football. It's recruiting. He spent more time on that stuff than probably any coach in America, a head coach. And he was always adamant about you can never have a class where you miss on more than like three guys if you miss on like five or six or seven like you're in big trouble and we can go back and look at michigan's classes mike and we can look at a lot of times where it's more than seven where they've missed on guys and you know it's been too many misses not a ton but too many when we're talking about competing with something like this yeah and it makes you wonder what the answer is because you know andy staples uh made a comment in that story that caught my attention He said eight years ago, Ohio State made a decision at an institutional level to compete for national titles, and he's not sure Michigan, as an institution, would ever make those kind of changes. Can Michigan recruit against Ohio State without lowering the bar, at least you know, even academically? I think they can go into Ohio and be more aggressive. Sure, yes. I think that that's you know something that we're we're maybe overlooking right now, or a lot of people have. I think that you know Michigan. You look back to a year ago beginning of 2018 when Jim Harbaugh hired Al Washington uh, and had Greg Madison on the staff, who were obviously promptly hired away by Ryan Day in a strategic move, those guys went into Ohio and, and made some headway. You know, they were, I mean, Michigan doesn't have to go into Ohio and get five of the top ten players. They have to go to Ohio and get like one or two, you know, of the top 15 and, and, just, and just say and then make you, and as somebody told me the other day, and then make Ohio State work. For a couple of those other guys, you know, and not to a point where it's just because it's gotten to a point, Mike, where Ohio State looks at the top 10 players in the state of Ohio every year and just says, we have these guys. We don't have to spend any time on them because no one is no one is challenging us for the, you know, so we're just going to take them. And now we're going to go to Texas and get Garrett Wilson. Uh, and now we're going to go to L.A. and get somebody. And now we're going to go all over the place. And, and that's what they've done and were able to do with Urban, where they expanded their recruiting profile to literally every corner of the country there's nowhere in this country that ohio state can't go right now and and be on even footing with anybody um and it's in part because when you hear them talk you know the state of ohio is a very rich you know talent state and in, in, in college football it still is and they own it i mean if, it, if you're a good player in the state of ohio and you go to a public school um you're going to ohio state nobody is really challenging you i mean it's very rare michigan got a couple you know nolan rumler was what comes to mind uh in the last cycle with L. Washington and Greg Madison. But then, of course, Ryan Day sees that, or Urban Meyer sees that, whoever it was, and and they hire those guys. And, you know, now it's harder. I mean, you know, I remember talking with um, Steve Lorenz last winter, I want to say, before mm-hmm. Washington and Madison got hired, before it was even on the table. You know, Steve was talking about, hey, um, it was right at the time Ryan Day got the job. And, you know, he's like, look, look at the board. Look at the guys that they're in on in 2020, 2021 in Ohio. 
And he's like, you know, I think that they're making some headway here, and it's those two guys that are really doing it. And then, you know, fast forward a month later, and Ohio State hires him, and that's gone. And so those are those are little things that can happen. Um, and I think that would be a big one. I think when we look back, and something you can compare eras to maybe is, you know, Lloyd Carr was able to sustain great success against Ohio State for a long time, in large part because Michigan was securing a handful of players from the state of Ohio that were really good football players every year. And it's, it's another one of those zero sum things where it's like we have them and no and now you don't, and so we're you know, so yeah. we're better and you're worse you're, you're you're worse for it. When Michigan signs Charles Woodson out of out of uh, what is it Fremont, yeah, that means that Michigan's better for it and Ohio State is worse for it. And so those are the type of things. And Ohio State does a great job of that too. They come into Michigan and get kids. You know, they got Mike Weber, they got Michael Jordan, the kid from Plymouth, the tackle who was uh, an NFL draft pick. I mean, they come into Michigan and do that. So. Michigan doesn't do that in, in reverse, and I know it's difficult because you're losing games every year, and now the margin is so bad. But that's that's probably you know the the easiest place to start on the surface is maybe get some get some guys on your staff that can go in there and do it, or or identify some guys that you currently have and just tell them, go figure it out, you know, go be bold about it. I don't know, but you know they don't. Jim Harbaugh has not prioritized that state at all, except for that one year um, when it looked like they're making some headway, and then Ryan Day took the two guys, and that that was it. So. I think that's a big part of it. I think if I'm looking at one thing that they don't do that they could do, I think that's probably top on the list. You know, in the following days after the game, we were talking about, or the media was talking about the gaping talent gap. They were also talking about the gap in coaching. You know, it, it seems like until Saturday in the last few years, there's been a, a lot said about how good the Michigan coaching staff is, how many top yeah. recruiters they have. And now all of a sudden we're talking about this gap. Are we just overreacting to that? Yeah, in some ways I think so. I think that, you know, the, I think, you know, Josh Gaddis is a great example, right? Josh Gaddis, you know, comes to Michigan, obviously, as a young guy who'd never done this before and had all these ideas in his head. And, you know, the first, you know, four or five weeks, whatever it was, uh, for whatever reason, for probably a very variety of reasons, were choppy and, and you know, not great. And, um, but they stuck with it, right? Jim Harbaugh supported mm-hmm. him fully, didn't panic stuck with it and now you look up and you look at Josh Gaddis's offense and say you know they're in line to have the best efficiency numbers that any Harbaugh offense has had um I think it's kind of a one-size-fits-all offense and that I think you can actually lose personnel and survive and, and still move forward I think it's a really good offense I think he's a smart coach and I think that that's a good thing um I think defensively Don Brown's probably getting too much blame for scheme because at some point when you just don't have the guys to hold up inside, you're going to get run over. And when you don't have enough speed on the back end to catch up, you're going to get run by. And it doesn't matter what you call, what doesn't matter what you call, you're going to get beat. I deal with it uh, with my new job. I talk or uh, you know I cover the Lions, of course. So mm-hmm. I see it there too all the time. Where I hear, why is it Matt Patricia calling this? Why is he calling that? And I say, well, he calls everything. They just can't execute anything. I mean, it's like you know, some and that's partially his fault too, right? But at some point on defense, defense to me, Mike, is about talent an organization in 2019 because the game is so skewed toward the offense that the idea of having a defense that is truly a bully, an elite, dominant-level defense, to have one of those with, that's not made up mostly of blue-chip recruits is sort of a you know fairy tale. It's not real. You have got to have five to seven, no doubt, draft picks starting on your defense, preferably in the lines, uh, to be able to do those things. Michigan had that in 2016, and the reason why we haven't seen a defense quite that good since is because they haven't had enough of that. They've had some, 
but not enough. I think that's a big part of it too. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the one criticism, or the, and it's a big one that you can have with Michigan staff, is that, you know, it's been sloppy. Um, they had, you know, fumbling a ball in the red zone, dropping a touchdown, dropping passes all over the field, uh, jumping off sides on a fourth and four punt, uh, knocking a guy out of bounds on a late hit, you know, in the red zone, missing an extra point. I mean, and on and on it goes. All of those things. Ohio State doesn't do any of those things. And that's where I think sometimes people get lost in this, well, it's just this massive talent gap and there's nothing we can do. And it's like, well, if you look at it really deeply, you know, Ryan Day did, I mean, he should be coach of the year in the Big Ten. I know people are probably thinking maybe it's P.J. Fleck. The job Ryan Day did was amazing. I mean, he stepped into the most pressure anyone had in this league. And with all this stuff going on, of course, it's hard. It's easy to coach talent on some level, but they didn't miss a beat and they got better. And they got better because they don't make stupid mistakes. They didn't have games where they just did dumb stuff and, and weren't able to survive. Maybe they had one. Uh, but they don't do those things, especially in this game. And that's the thing I kind of point to and say, when Michigan looks back at the tape, they're going to say to themselves, we had a chance in this game. Maybe not a great one, but we had a chance and we didn't take advantage of it. If you look at Auburn, Alabama, and I get asked this a lot, right? Like, like Auburn, Gus Belzon just won his third Iron Bowl. <clears throat> Auburn did not beat Alabama on Saturday because it shut them down and stopped everything they ran. And uh, Alabama had 500 yards. And uh, Auburn won the game because Auburn figured out a way to score 48 points without killing itself. That's it. I mean, that's, that's what you have to do in those games to win them. You have to be able to go into that game, and your gun, or whatever you want to call it, has to be loaded so full that you that it carries you all the way through four quarters so that you can hang on because Michigan in, in the current situation if Ohio State's talent stays like this especially with Justin Fields out there you are not going to be able to keep them under 35 points like that's just like it's a fairy tale they're going to score so you have to be able to on your end play as close to you can as perfect get a couple of stops and take advantage of every single one of them that's how you win that game uh, you know, and, and I think Michigan's starting to trend more toward understanding that's how that has to happen, as opposed to last year when it looked like they wanted to try to grind the thing out and win it twenty to seventeen, which is just nonsense. So, in some ways, I think it's improved, but in other ways, there's a lot of sloppy stuff that we saw even back in the beginning of the year. That you got to get rid of all of that because it'd be one thing mm-hmm. if Michigan was eleven and zero, you know, and lost that game, and you're eleven and one. They're not eleven and one. They're nine and three because they also got embarrassed at Wisconsin and were lost for a half at Penn State in games that mattered and happened and could have been avoided. Uh, And those are issues internally they can fix right now. You mentioned Alabama-Auburn. We talk in the Michigan-Ohio State series about the talent gap between the two schools right now. Even a larger talent gap would be that between Alabama and Auburn. And when you look at what Auburn has done against Alabama – in uh, the Saban era, they're five and eight. So they, even with that large gap, have found right. some ways to win some games there. Five and eight's not bad, considering how good no. Alabama's been. And, and that's really, I, I think, what has to give Michigan fans some hope. It's uh, it's hard right now, but there are some ways and some things you can do to turn this around. Yeah, one of them was Cam Newton. So they had that. That helps. Yeah. You, know, you, can go, you can go get a guy like that. Uh, another one, they had to kick six which is the crazy, you know, they, I mean, but, but, but those games also included a mindset like we talked about. And in this past one, I think was the perfect example. They beat them 48, 45 and they, and they, because they had enough 
you know, they didn't have 600 yards. They had, I think they might have had around 400 or maybe even less. But they were opportunistic. They took advantage of every mistake Alabama made. They made them pay for everything. They were disciplined. And when it, when it came time to get something done on offense, they did it. And, you know, that's, you know, that's what that game has to, how that game has to be managed. You can't go into that game. And I think that and that's the difference for me between this blowout and last year's blowout. Because last year's blowout was a, you know, an example of stubbornness and sort of delusion, I thought, on Michigan's part to where they, they looked at their roster and they thought their roster was even with Ohio State in terms of speed, athleticism, everything else, that they could just line up head up and beat them uh, defensively and, and then let that carry the day. And that's just crazy. I mean, that's just – that, that result was well-earned and – you know, Michigan had more talent last year than it did this year on defense. And they still got, you know, walloped like that because they were asking for it. This year, at least, I think they understood, you know, you got to go into this game with everything, you know, ready to go on offense. It's got to be efficient. Quarterback has to be playing well, which he was, you know, going into the game. And then you can see how the thing started. You know, the first couple of drives were really good. But then, you know, mistakes start start setting in and you, and you lose, you know, you lose ground. And the minute you get down by two scores, it's hard. And so, you know, even with all that stuff, that was a 15-point game in the fourth quarter. If one of those disasters, if the fumble in the red zone doesn't happen, or if one of those field goals that they settled for could have been punched in for touchdown, that's a one-score game Mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter, even with all that other stuff. And all of a sudden, you're looking at it and saying, now Ohio State, here they are in the fourth quarter, with everything on the line, and now all the pressure that they're supposed to be playing with shows up, and we'll see how they can handle it. And if they're an amazing team that's like this iconic once-in-a-generation, then they would be fine and they'd win the game. But maybe they wouldn't. And so those are the things that – it's not about playing a perfect game necessarily, but it's being – because nobody can do that. But it's being opportunistic and executing in situations where you have to do it. And Michigan didn't do that in nearly enough. I mean, if you talk to Josh Gaddis today, he would tell you, like, we had – so many chances to make that thing more interesting than it was, even with the defense having no hope. I mean, I mean, and he would be honest in saying that, and he'd be right because they did, and they didn't execute them. Because you see drops, you see, you know, whatever, and and it and it haunts you. And you can get away with that against Indiana. You can get away with that against Michigan State. You can even get away with that somewhat against Penn State. But you can't do it against Ohio State, and that that has to be the difference. Well, another depressing question or thought for Michigan fans is that. Can this be reversed? And if the experts are right and the recruiting classes keep rolling like they have yeah. but down to Columbus, it's going to be a gaping talent advantage for the foreseeable future, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's something that I don't think, you know, as long as the current, you know, situation stays in place, like Ryan Day stays at Ohio State. And, you know, the other thing, too, Mike, Michigan's got to hope somebody hires Urban Meyer and gets him off Fox. <laughs> Because him sitting him sitting there every Saturday and, and making up this fairy tale that Michigan and Ohio State are on the same level and talent and the only reason Michigan doesn't have the same record is because they're not coaching. Like I mean that is that yeah. is doing so much damage to Michigan and because Urban can say it with unquestioned credibility in terms of football. And they've got to hope somebody hires him, number one. And then number two, I think, yeah, you you've got to find you've got to hope that the Apple cart gets knocked over somehow. That they, they I mean, because they are in that air of Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and nobody matches it. LSU, I guess, right now. But, you know, time will tell if LSU can stay there. 
because only really three programs, Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson now, uh, have proven the ability to stay in that annual playoff discussion no matter what. And that's it. So it's the yeah. top, it's those three programs and then a giant gap and then everybody else. And Michigan is in that next tier. And we've talked about this for the last couple of years, and I, I wrote about it when they went to the Outback Bowl in 2017, and people got really, really mad at me and said that this is BS and you're making this up. But I remember saying, like, it was always, you got to beat them soon. Mm-hmm. And the people would say, or else what? And I would say, or else you're living it. You're at a, you're at a second-tier bowl with a class ranked number 22 in the country, and you're falling faster. And that is the or else. And they've, they've continued to live it because they weren't able to get one of those in the first two or three years. And now it's really, really, really difficult. And, um, yeah, in some ways it does feel like, you know, they've got like, – like in other – you know, in other instances past, right, where Michigan State's able to sort of make its climb at the same time that Michigan is falling. And we've seen that in other, in other sports and other rivalries across the country. Um, Michigan is going to have to have Ohio State stumble at some point. And it hasn't happened, and that's why people get frustrated, right, because uh, Jim Tressel – and the NCAA scandal happens, and they come out of it with Urban Meyer, the yeah. best coach they've, <laughs> they've had since Woody Hayes. And then, and then Urban goes through all that, all, all that scandal and all that offseason stuff that he had last year and is able to gently retire and then anoint the guy he wants as the head coach. And, it's, and nothing happens. Nothing changes. And those are things where Ohio State just seems bulletproof. And at some point, you have to hope that, if you're Michigan, that, 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 that they go through the type of strain – that every other program in the country, they are the only program in America that hasn't had an extended five to seven year drought, real drought in the past 30 years. They're the only one. USC, Notre Dame, Alabama, everybody else has gone through these bad stretches. Michigan, Tennessee, my God, and Ohio State, never. And, you know, if you're Michigan, you're, you're, you're probably just hoping for the love of God, could they go through one three-year period where they're not just awesome so that we can catch up a little bit, right? And that's, yeah. that's hard to square because you're hoping, for, you're hoping on something you can't, you can't really control. But, uh, you know, boy, I think that that's got to kind of happen here, yeah. Well, in the meantime, for those of us, uh, for fans who have been around for decades watching Michigan football, one of the things <laughs> that was really disappointing, it's been disappointing for the last decade, but it's to see when you walk into that stadium Saturday and look around and see how many Michigan fans have sold their tickets to Ohio State. Uh, It was a sea of red, which means a lot of your fan base had no hope Michigan uh, could compete or win, which uh, really uh, is understandable at this point. It's almost, Nick, like after the last 18 years, 20 years, that Michigan has lost a generation of fans in some ways. Well, they've lost the generation of fans that held this game uh, near and dear at a level that was some, some special thing that, you know, you know, that where where you, you know, I grew up in the nineties and, and Michigan was constantly beating an Ohio state team, either when they were good or either when Michigan wasn't so good and still figured it out. I mean, it was this crazy mythical game. Right. And people remember that. And I think the kids that are growing up now, I, that's the whole thing with recruiting too. I mean, it's, they don't. They don't have that point of reference. The only it's been 15 of 16 years that Ohio State's won this game. I mean, it's been almost. We're going on two decades here now. This whole century, really. So if you if you had formative years 
in the 2000s and beyond, you, the only thing you, you the only thing you see about this game is the result and some guy that's older than you telling you what it used to be like. I mean, there's no there's nobody else that no. there's nothing else that makes that that makes that overly special. And really, it's you know it's you know it's and it's because in that stretch, I mean, these two programs have operated in different worlds. They stopped operating in the same stratosphere probably, you know, early 2000s. I guess the last would be 06. But since then, it's just it hasn't been close. Mm. And uh, and that and that's been the problem. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I was thinking about this uh, yesterday that if you are a junior or senior in high school, and this goes back to the the recruiting problems that we have to overcome. Yeah. Uh, history, and we all remember this. If, when we were juniors and seniors in high school, history to us is what happened last weekend. Uh, yes, they, they could yes. care less about you know watching videos on the, the jumbotron about what happened in 1969. And when, you, when yeah. you're recruiting them, they just see what happened last weekend. I don't know how you overcome that, but that's really what it is. If you're a junior or senior in high school, you think. That's the way it's always been, which is really sad. Yeah, and then, but the, at the same time, though, that's why one win really can do a lot for you. Because like you said, that's a great point. If you're a junior in high school, history to you is two years ago. That's as far back as you probably remember. Yeah, like, you yeah. know, two, two years ago is about, boy, remember all the way back when, when that happened? <laughs> and so if you can win one, then, you know, you can get that in somebody's mind maybe that like, hey, you know, we're on our way or this just happened, you know, I mean, like whatever. So you know, it's not going to solve all your problems, but I mean, it's such a big thing now. I mean, it's, and it's the funny part about Harbaugh's program is that it's the only thing left. It's the hardest thing on the docket. It was the hardest thing on the docket when he took the job. And there was a lot of other things in front of it that had to get sorted out. He has sorted just about every one of those out, but the last inch uh, or the last mile or whatever is always kind of the hardest one. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll find out if it's even possible. I don't know. I mean, because that's that's the task. It's it's all arrows pointed at Ohio State while trying to maintain your ability to, you know, beat Wisconsin and Penn State and put yourself in a situation where at least you're playing for something that matters, you know, on that last Saturday, which, you know, this year I think, Mike, we can argue, to be fair, that should have been a Big Ten East title game. I, agree. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, that team, Michigan should have been 10-1, and one, or 11-0 going into that game based on the talent and based on the tools it had. Because we talked all the way back in the summer, mm-hmm. and I think myself included, and a lot of us, you know, we looked kind of foolish in the middle of the year for saying we thought Michigan was a team that should have competed for the league. But, you know, that was based on thinking that maybe Ohio State would have some hiccups, which didn't happen, <laughs> and Michigan wouldn't have as many, and they did. But you look back and say that even, you know, this result might have been exactly the same, but Michigan should have been 10-1 and or 11-0. and uh, Because I think if you replayed those games today, you know, I certainly think they beat Penn State, and I think the Wisconsin one would have been a lot closer. So, I mean, th- those issues can't happen. You have to be that. Ohio State is Ohio State partially because they are as good on the last day of the year as they are on the first day of the year, right? They're probably better in the last, but, I mean, they're as punishing and as and – as, consistent and they may have some problems but they are still a ridiculously efficient football team when the season starts in the same area that they are you know when the season ends and Michigan can't really say that uh, not the last couple of years anyway you got to be better that is our painful reality uh, right now we'll have time to talk about what's next for Michigan as far as the immediate future in the coming weeks but a last question for you um, today mm-hmm. it's a Harbaugh question 
you know, he's in many ways, as we've talked about, righted the ship for Michigan, done a lot of good things. But as you just mentioned, he has not conquered that one obstacle, the biggest, beating Ohio State, and that is it. He cannot get over that hump. And I'm still a big fan of Jim's. I'm I'm like a lot of people when my listeners will say, he needs to go. And I'll say, well, who are you going to get? I mean, what are you going to do next? Uh, We're overreacting, but... The thing is, I can't see him ever leaving until he changes that, Nick. He's way too competitive. This is his alma mater. He's the kind of guy, it's a job unfinished. I really believe that. What are your thoughts uh, yeah, on that? I agree. I think it's it's something that, um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's first and foremost, it's, yeah, who are you going to get that's going to solve the same problem? I mean, it's like, and, and but also is going to keep you at a level that you're already at. You don't even, you can't even promise that the next person will be able to do that. You know, so that would be number one. And then, yeah, number two, I mean, it's the notion that he doesn't care enough is, um, uh, you know, that's nonsense. I mean, and that's, then again, that's something that gets sort of pushed out by, you know, kind of the, the victor go with the spoils here. So they can kind of say these things and maybe people believe it, but it's not, it's not true. I mean, like he's just as devastated by, you know, yesterday or Saturday's loss as he would have been in that uh, one in the, in the JT Barrett game. I mean, it's the same feeling, I think, every year at the end of the year that it's just not enough. And that snowballs on people and weighs people down. And I would say that the one thing that so far, and we'll see if this continues, the one thing Jim Harbaugh has been able to do, I think, that most coaches that you would get in here would never be able to do because it's hard to do this, is truly evaluate, you know, what's wrong and actively go and make changes to address those things. I mean, he has, he has said goodbye. And by saying goodbye, I mean like getting rid of, uh, you know, whatever the closest thing he could call the friends are in this profession multiple times on his coaching staff. I mean, he, Tim Drevno has been, had been with Jim Harbaugh since he started Uh, apart from one season, he had been his closest coaching confidant. And he told him at the end of 2017, not good enough. Goodbye. I can name at the top of my head 10 coaches that would never have done that. Never. And the same thing last year, Beth Hamilton. They had on paper an offense that had some decent efficiency numbers. They had worked together before. They have a relationship. And he said, no, like this is broken and I'm going to fix it. And I'm going to hire somebody that I don't know. And so he's proven an ability to do that, to, to be self-critical in the right ways and not be stubborn as stubborn. I, I always say this. I don't think people, People always thought he was so stubborn and unable to change, and I always think that's the opposite. I think Jim Harbaugh changes as much as any coach in the country and, and has for a long time. And I think that as long as he's willing to do that, keeping the program's sort of success rate or you know or whatever plan to get to get there in front of anything else, which includes personal relationships and whatever, yeah. I think as long as he's as long as he's capable of doing that, that I think you're that's what you want. But at the same time, I mean, it, it all gets more complicated now because the the fixes the last few times have been kind of obvious. You know, I'm not sure what the obvious fix is here now. So it's going to really take a real thorough examination, probably down to your core uh, this offseason in the coming weeks and months here about, you know, everything they do. And, and I think that that's really difficult. But I also think that if you're looking at people in the, in the country that can do that, you know, what I, we just saw with Lamar, what uh, John Harbaugh did with, you know, going all in with Lamar Jackson and bucking trends and and changing and going against kind of the grain, and it's worked. 
I think Jim is cut from the same cloth in terms of I will find my own way and I'll do it. And I don't care what anybody else says, but I'm going to try to get better. I'm not going to just sit here and stay exactly the same. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing to remember. And if I were running the department, I would want someone at least that's going to do that for me. And, you know, whether or not it works, I guess we'll have to see because it hasn't worked yet. But um, I I get it. People are running out of their patience and chances. But when I look at the rest of the, the job market out there, I mean, you'd be taking a total chance on somebody. You know, I don't know what you'd be doing if you fired him tomorrow and and went and tried to get somebody else. I don't know who you. I don't know what your what your plan is. No, there's only one Urban Meyer. There's only one Urban Meyer, right? And that they want they want someone who is a clone of Urban Meyer without any of the you know the off field stuff that he's had to go through. And that person doesn't exist. No. <laughs> like, no. that's, that's it. So it's tough. It's a tough situation. But uh, you know, I got to think writing it out right now is. You know, barring some sort of collapse on the back end of it, you know, riding it out seems like the only real option here. And I agree with all that, Nick. So we'll find out uh, over the weekend who it is uh, Michigan plays in the bowl game and then the uh, the long winter of discontent. Another one for Michigan fans mm-hmm. will continue, and we'll see what changes will be made. But I agree with you. He, he is going to, uh, to try to move ahead and fix uh, whatever he has to. So we shall see. But our guest here on our game day segment, looking back, at the Ohio State debacle on Saturday. Nick Baumgartner from the Athletic Detroit. Nick, always great to uh, hear your insights on what's uh, happening in the program and around the bowl or after the bowl. We'll uh, we'll wrap it up and get you back on the show. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, Michigan basketball lost 58-43 to number one Louisville at their place last night in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. We get Big Ten play underway at home this Friday against Iowa, and they are red hot right now too. They beat Syracuse up there on Tuesday night in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Later this week, I'll have a Michigan man extra for you with Jamie Morris. Uh, We'll get his thoughts on the Ohio State game the season, his friend Jim Harbaugh, and much more. I'll give you a heads up on Facebook and Twitter later this week when it publishes. For the most part, we're back on our regular schedule of one show a week now that football season is over, at least the regular season. We'll have two shows during bowl week, and from time to time a Michigan man extra for you moving forward. So stay with us for a busy December as we'll preview the bowl game and then start turning our attention to recruiting and basketball, a lot of basketball for the next couple of months. That will do it for today, though. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls, at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. 
The Michigan Man podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue! Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.